Praise the Lord. Good morning, church. Welcome to the house of the Lord. It's so good to see everyone this morning. God bless you. We're excited to be here this morning. Praise the Lord. Welcome to Pleasant Grove Assembly of God. Uh, We just want to um, uh, share an announcement with you. Uh, First of all, don't forget that this is Mission Sunday. So you'll see uh, during our offering time, you'll see our yellow buckets are out also for our BGMC offering. And uh, we want to remember our missionaries. Amen. Amen. We're so blessed to be a part of a fellowship that supports missions, world missions, and uh, we're grateful to be a part of it. God has provided and blessed us, and uh, we want to bless our missionaries. So if you've made a faith promise, this is a good reminder. Don't forget to drop that faith promise in the offering plate and our BGMC, and we want to bless our missionaries, not only with our giving, but we want to bless them and continue to lift them up in prayer. Amen? They need our prayers. There's many missionaries that are are in the states and can't get back to the countries that they're called to because of the COVID uh, restrictions and lockdowns. So we have a lot to pray for, but we want to lift them up. And also wanted to share with you, we're actually going to have missionaries come and speak and minister on January the 20th. That's on Wednesday, January the 20th. That's our 7 p.m. service. Uh, the Vojtoviches, they're missionaries to Ukraine. So we're excited uh, to hear from them in the upcoming weeks. So praise God. Well, praise the Lord. Are you ready to worship this morning? Amen. I'm ready to worship the Lord. I hope you come expecting to meet with God today. Will you stand this morning as we open in prayer? This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen. This is the day the Lord has made. This may be your day. I believe it is. Let's press in and let's worship Him today. Heavenly Father, we love You this morning. Lord God, we're so grateful, Lord, for another day, Lord. Another opportunity to come, Lord, to Your house to worship You this morning, Lord. Father, we come, Lord, with a great expectation to meet with You today, Lord God, day that you have made. This is the day, Lord God. We rejoice. We lift you up and we give you glory. Have your way in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
never leaves us, never forsakes us. One that makes a way for us. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Jesus.
will worship you with all that is within us. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, your mercy, and your love. We give you praise, for you are wonderful and you are worthy. For your faithfulness and your mercies are new every morning. For you've never failed us and you've never forsaken us. You've given us strength and you've given us grace to meet every challenge, to take on every task. And Lord, we so love you. Lord, help us to continue to walk in your ways, to be your ambassadors, to be vessels you can shine through, that you can speak through, that you can flow through. And Lord, we pray this morning, speak to us. Take us to a new place. Bring us to a deeper, richer place of knowing you. Help us to hear and understand your word that we might respond and we might embrace it, that we might be transformed by it. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Well, good morning. So good to see you. If you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17, and we continue our study of sermons from the life of the prophet Elijah. The prophet Elijah. This morning we're talking about Zarephath, advanced school of faith. If you were with us last time, last time was the Brook Cherith. Basic training, basic school of faith. You ever been in that military? They send you to a basic training, a boot camp. And it's either to develop you or disqualify you. It'll do one or the other. If it develops you, you're ready to move on. Amen? Then you get to go to advanced school. It doesn't stop at basic training, because basic training is just that. Very basic. Amen? If you know your left from your right, and some people, they got to learn that, but they'll teach you. Them, Them drill sergeants are good. They'll teach you. They'll get you marching. They'll get you moving. But um, it's very basic. Then there's an advanced school. Now, if you get disqualified, you go back to mama, and that's probably where you should have stayed. But in the things of God, if anyone desires to be used of God, God has a similar program in preparing his vessels. It's something, there's a price to pay. There are things to endure if one wants to be the one God has called them to be. So we're studying from the life of this fiery prophet Elijah. It's a story that should both encourage us and educate us. Spiritually, things were very dark in the northern kingdom at this time. That's our setting. Idolatry and immorality and indifference had just filled the entire kingdom. The ways of God were being rejected. The covenant of God, the loyalty to God had been forsaken. And that's where we find ourselves. Out of nowhere, the prophet Elijah comes. He speaks the word of the Lord. God tells him to go hide. He goes and he hides. And while he hides for one full year, he drinks from the brook. And the ravens bring him, what do we say, those quarter pounders twice a day, every day, for an entire year. But that leads us to where we're at. 1 Kings 17 and verse 7. Now, that year had gone by and verse 7 says, Sometimes later the brook dried up. Brooks will dry up. Amen? But there had been, because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. Remember last time we emphasized the importance of there. Make sure you're in God's there. If you want God's provision, you've got to be in God's place. Amen? And we see it again. We saw that last time. But here it is again. Stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to a town, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you please bring me a little water in a jar so I can have a drink? 
And as she was going to get it, he said, and please bring me a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied. I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home to make a meal for myself and my son that we might eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not be afraid. Go home, do as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. Then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her and so there was food every day for Elijah, for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up. The jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. You can trust the Lord's word. Can you say amen? So into this terrible, terrible time of backsliding in the northern kingdom. The man on the throne was the king Ahab. You might have heard him. He was the worst of all of Israel's kings. Along with his evil wife Jezebel urging him on, they were attempting to stamp out all the worship of the Lord and instead replace it with a worship to a vile false god called Baal. Jezebel had murdered the priest and torn down the altars to Jehovah. And into this dark time, God sent a very bright light. Out of nowhere comes the prophet Elijah. His name means the Lord is my God. And his message mirrored his name. Verse 1 we saw last time. He came in unannounced, uninvited message, certainly unwanted, but sent by God. He just comes in and boldly approaches the king, declaring the word of God's judgment upon the king and upon the nation for their backsliding and their idolatry. In verse 1, he declares the word of the Lord. Then verse 2, God says immediately, now go hide. The God that said go appear now says go hide. Go immediately to the brook Cherith. He goes there for protection. He goes there for the pulling away. He goes there most of all for the preparation. Protection, he's now the most wanted man in the kingdom. His face is in every post office in Israel and beyond. For the pulling away, because in the same way God's withholding the natural rain, He'll now withhold His word from His people because they rejected His ways. But most importantly, what we'll see in our story, God sends Him there for a deeper preparation for the work that He had to do. You see, this is just the beginning of Elijah's ministry. And the main showdown with the false prophets of Baal will not come for another three years when He'll face off of some 800 false prophets and they'll call it out, see who can call it out fire from heaven. So he's not ready for that yet. Last week, we made this thought. Everyone that God desires and designs to use must go through the trying of Cherith before they're ready for the triumph of Carmel. And Elijah wasn't ready yet. He was still in the process of becoming the man God called him to be. You see, just because a person has a one-time experience with God, or is used one time in a special way for God. It doesn't mean that they're done with the preparations of the Lord. We're never done. In fact, the more God has in store, the more on the potter's wheel we must endure. Now last week we talked about that school at Cherith, that boot camp of faith. God said, go, he went. God said, hide, he went. He obeyed God's command. And Elijah hid for an entire year. While the famine's going on, he's drinking from the brook. God's sending the ravens twice a day to feed him. 
There are four important lessons we looked at last time. Basic training. These are basic foundations for every child of God. These are just basic stones that you have to have in your foundation if you want to go forward in God. Without these, you'll never build very high. They're basic, they're foundational, absolutely necessary. We learned last week the procedure of faith. And we noticed how Elijah is being led by the Word. He's not being led by his circumstances, his emotion, his experience. He's led, the Word of the Lord came to him. He went and approached the king. The Word of the Lord came to him. He went and hid for a season. The Word of the Lord came from him. He's going to get up and go to a new place. He teaches us we are led. Man doesn't live by natural bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In the elementary part of faith, we learn the procedure is God speaks and we obey. We build our lives upon the written Word of God. Can you say Amen? Now, the procedure that led to the preparation of faith because what we notice is as we obey the Word, God works His work in our lives. It would be so nice and convenient if we could just have an altar call and have the holy hotshot lay hands on us and we get back up and we're mature and we're just growing in God. Wouldn't that be easy? Wouldn't that be great? No more temper. No more inconsistency. But how many know it doesn't work like that? Amen? God develops us as we walk with Him. God develops us as we build on that Word and as we walk through life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and we go through things God's way. And the Holy Spirit uses those things to cleanse us and to develop us, to teach us, to mature us, to inspire us. So not only does He learn the procedure of faith, follow God's Word, build your life on God's Word, but secondly, He recognizes the preparation of faith. Faith grows as we walk with God. As we obey that Word, God works in us. Number three, that led to the provision of faith. He found out that you can trust God's Word. Friend, there are many words in this hour that you cannot trust. There are many sources that you need just to pull the plug and stop listening to that nonsense. But there is one Word that you can always trust. There is one Word you can always depend on. It is not going to change. Jesus said the heavens and earth might pass away, but My Word abideth forever. There is a Word you can count on. There is a Word you can build on. He learns the provision of faith. If God says you go hide in the middle of nowhere and I'm going to send these ugly ravens to feed you, guess what? Then the ravens are going to come to feed you. You can count on that. If God says just do it this way, then God will bless you that way. Don't question God. Don't waver in your obedience. When you know thus saith the Lord, just walk out on the water and know that the God that cannot fail, He will bring you through. Provision of faith. God cares for His obedient ones. And He'll care for you as you seek first the kingdom. As you build your house upon the rock of the Word of God, He'll keep His promises for one and entire year. Those birds came twice a day, every day. Why? Because if God says it, you can take it to the bank. If God said it, He'll do it. If God spoke it, He'll bring it to pass. But then lastly, beyond just the preparation and the procedure and the provision of faith, He learned the true purpose of faith. And that true purpose is to get you and I to have our faith completely in the Lord, not in the Lord's blessings. It's to get our faith completely on God. To get our faith in the provider, not the provision. But how many people know this morning that brooks dry up, but God never fails? Plants close down, but God still makes a way for His people. The health isn't what it used to be, but God still brings us through. Sometimes the economy isn't what we wish, but the Lord still has His ravens, and He still knows how to bless and care for His people. Glory be to God. Brooks do dry up, but the Lord never fails us. 
So even if things change, God hasn't changed. Even if circumstances and the things that were one time the channel of God's blessing stopped, God hasn't stopped caring and loving and watching over your life. We put our faith in that. This verse 7 tells us the brook dried up. The brook dried up. That thing that was the source of God's blessing. It dried up and was no more. But listen, that was not the sign of God's displeasure. In fact, in many ways, it was a graduation and a promotion into a deeper school, a higher school of God's development and God's transformation in the life of the prophet. God closes a chapter on Cherith and He opens Zarephath, advanced school of faith. Verses 8 and 9, we're going to see another word. Another there, another place, another promise, another provision. Oh my. Let's start by looking at the word Zarephath. Look at verses 8 and 9. The brook dries up and the word of the Lord came. Don't worry, the brook dries up. God will have another word for you. Amen? I mean, things, you know, that plant closes down. God will have another door for you to walk through. Isn't that true? One doctor shakes their head. God says, I know Dr. Jesus. He'll have another word for you. Don't worry, just listen. The word of the Lord came. Go at once to Zarephath, Zarephath of Sidon. Stay there, stay there. Place matters. I have commanded a widow, the same God that commands the ravens now commands the widows. In that place, in that place, supply you with food. Zarephath. Its name should give us a clue to its purpose. Zarephath comes from a Hebrew verb that means to melt to smelt, to test. Now the noun form means crucible, crucible. Advanced training. Zarephath would prove to be a crucible for Elijah. You know, crucible, they melt that metal, don't they? They purify that metal. They're able to form and shape it into what it's designed and destined to be. Zarephath, the crucible of God's preparation. It's a place designed by God to further refine the prophet and make a major difference in the rest of his life. God will bring us through things to refine us, to take us deeper, to shed off some things that need to go and produce in us, some things that cannot be produced in any other elements. It's next level spiritual maturity and, and Christ-likeness. The process where God brings us through something and the Holy Spirit of God, the sanctifying agent of heaven, one of the things He uses to make us more like Christ, to make us stronger and mature, is taking us through things. And as we go through things the right way, He works in us. There's the burning away, there's the purifying, and there's the perfecting of God's servants. There's the forming of God's people. You'll see it both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. This imagery of how the Holy Spirit works to make us into the vessels God wants us to be. Old Testament, New Testament. In the Old Testament concerning the second coming of the Lord, the Bible says that before there's jubilation, there's going to be some purification. In fact, the Old Testament, how do I remember Malachi or Malachi if you're Italian? Amen. And that the prophet talks about Jesus returning, but before he returns, before there's a celebration, there's a purification. But he comes back, and he doesn't come back like someone that's going to throw a party, but he comes back as one, as a refiner of silver, a purifier of gold. 
He comes back as one that will do the washing of a launder and do the purifying of a fire. Let's look at this together. Malachi 3, 2-4. through 4. Check out this imagery. Check out this. This is a picture of what the Holy Spirit does in us when God brings us through the preparation. Advance phase. Advance phase. It gets hot in the advance phase. Amen? God demands a deeper consecration, a deeper trusting of Him in the advance phase. But who can endure the day of His coming? Some people thought the coming of the Lord would just be cartwheels and whoopees. But the prophet is saying, listen, before the whoopees, there's got to be some old me's. <laughs> can you say amen? There's got to be some cleansing, some washing. Who can stand when He appears? For He will be like a refiner's fire. Here's the imagery. A launderer's soap. Before He can come back and really receive us, He's got to make us ready to be received. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites, the priests. And you know who the priests are today, don't you? That's you and me. We're that chosen generation, that royal priesthood. He's going to purify the Levites and refine them as gold or silver. You know those precious metals, they go through the fire again and again to get everything, all the impurities out. So they're exactly what they were made to be. Then the Lord, then the Lord, after we go through some fire, after we go through some trials and tests and allow the Holy Spirit to make us better, not better, then the Lord will have men and women who will bring offerings and righteousness. Then we'll have a pure song in our heart. Then we'll have a pure ministry flowing from a sincere heart. Verse 4, And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will then be acceptable as in days gone by. This is one of the ways, one of the images God gives you and I of how He prepares and perfects forms and readies His vessels to be used. Bringing us through the fire of trial, the fire of testings, the pressures of life. But as we go through trusting God, as we go through obeying God, those things just take away all the unnecessary things, blow away those dead branches, so to speak, take away the impurities. And when we come out of it, we're stronger than we were, we're purer than we were, we're better than what we were. Now listen, this is also very New Testament. In fact, the Bible teaches us that you and I that are New Testament believers, we are priests unto God. In the same way He wanted a pure priesthood in the Old Testament, He definitely wants a pure priesthood in the New Testament. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, it tells us how this is something God does every day with us. Not just the coming of the Lord, but this is a daily operation of the Spirit of God. As you and I walk through life, one of the things He does, He allows the things we go through to purify us as they empower us. He allows the things we go through to burn away the dross as it's burning in a greater faith and a greater love and a greater devotion to the Lord Jesus. Peter says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you've had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. During our time on this earth, we go through various trials. There's various trials. There's physical. There's spiritual. There's financial. There's and national. In the family, in the church, we go through trials. But why do trials come? One reason they come, verse 7 tells us, is that these trials have come so that your faith, friends, your faith in God is the most important thing you have. You thank God for natural relationships. Thank God for good health. But nothing is more important than your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can lose a lot of things through life. Don't 
never lose your faith in Christ. You can lose a friend. You can lose a fortune. Don't lose your faith in Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that's enduring forever. These trials have come so that our faith of greater worth than gold. You can have ten trump towers. If you're not saved, you're a poor man and you're a beggar. These have greater worth than gold, which perishes though refined. There's that word again. Refined by fire. But God says, I allow the trial to come to refine you, that your faith would be proved genuine, that you would be proven to have the right stuff, that you would be proven to be a real Christian, a genuine Christian. There's a lot of tears in the church today. Come on, say amen. There are a lot of people go to church when it's convenient or it's comfortable or it's good for business. They look a little bit like the real thing, but when the trial comes, you get to see who really loves them and who don't. When the testing comes, then you get to see they were phony. They were just playing games. They never really were sincere. Oh, somebody say amen. Oh, hallelujah. Here it is that these trials come that your faith may be proven genuine and may result in sincere praise, glory, and honor. When Jesus returns, He wants to find a real people. He wants to find a sold out church. A church without spot or wrinkle washed in the blood of the land. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. We want to go on with God. We want to advance in the things of God. And so what God is saying to His prophet is like, Elijah, I took you to Cherith to wean you from the bright lights. Remember, courageously he had confronted the king. Elijah, go hide. And we said last time that Cherith, the Hebrew root word means to cut down or cut off. I cut you to a place where you had to learn to trust in me regardless. I'm taking you out there and you're going to depend on my word. No place else, my word. It was a discipline of solitude and obscurity, a discipline of silence. But now it's time for a deeper work. Somebody say a deeper work. If you want God, you've got to say yes to the deeper work. If you want to be what God's called you to be, you've got to say, Lord, I'm willing to go through the deeper work. Also, Elijah, Elijah, I will now turn up the furnace. And I'll melt you so that I might mold you. I want to mold you far more exactly into the kind of man I need to fulfill the purpose I have in mind. Zerapath. Crucibles create Christ-likeness. Crucibles separate the men from the boys. Crucibles show us who really is serious about Jesus or who are just playing games. Crucibles create Christ-likeness. You see, the crucible of the furnace in the natural, it brings the impurities of that metal to the surface so they can be skimmed off, leaving a greater purity. But they also bring the metal to a place where it can be formed and reshaped for its intended destiny. An example, in the machine shop, in the factories, they got that heat treat department, or whatever they call it now. But there's a process where bars of metal are placed in white-hot blast furnaces, and all the slag or the scum comes to the surface. It's all the foreign matter that makes the metal inferior. It comes so it can be skimmed off so that the product is pure and strong. You see, and after all the impurities are removed, the soft, extremely hot metal is formed by these huge presses and pounding hammers. 
Then it's taken, it's dropped in bats of oil, and you hear the metal scream. But when it's done, it's not only pure, it's formed and shaped so that it can bear the beatings that it's designed to take. That it can provide the support it was designed to give. You see, God knows what the future holds for the prophet. See, God knows the strength he'll need to carry out his mission. God knows the load he must be willing to bear if he's going to do God's will. When God calls a man or a woman here, he knows what God has called them to do there. He knows the process he must bring them through to ready them and prepare them. You know, when they order steel from the plant, the one that does the ordering, well, they know what they're ordering it for. I need this to build a bridge that's going to go over the Tampa Bay. Or I need this to build a little shed in the backyard. There's a big difference in what it has to go through. I, I, I need this to build a high sky tower. I need this to put a little, you know, pull my little boat in the back of my truck, a little trailer. You see. So it's on to Zerapath. Because God sees into the future what His servant will have to face. The faith he'll need to have. The courage he'll need to have. The sincerity in his walk that he'll need to have. And so in order to get him ready for that, he brings him through this. Now remember, as we go through the fires of life, you that said, I want God to use me and that are willing to go after God wholeheartedly, part of the process of preparation is enduring that potters will going through things that God allows to come our way to work in our lives. But remember, even as God's child, is passing through the heat of the refiner's fire. God has not forgotten him. God knows where he is and God knows what he's enduring. Just like you. God knows. God is there. And God's grace will carry you through. My friend, if God led you there, then God will give you what you need to make it there. If you say, Father, I'm going to give my all to you, it will include going through things. It will include enduring some things. But don't you ever doubt for a moment that you're out of God's sight or you're out of God's care. The one that began the good work in you, He's the one that said, I'll complete the good work in you. The one that called you unto salvation is the one that said, I'll never leave thee and I'll never forsake thee. So when you go through the fiery trials of life, let them work in you, but you be determined. You're going to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. You're going to keep trusting in His unchanging Word. And you're going to rest completely in the faithfulness of your God. Because we serve a God that will never fail or forsake those that love Him and those that serve Him. When you say, yes, Lord, here I am. Use me. Send me. I want to be a vessel you can use in this hour. God will take you at your Word. And God will begin that process to make you into something more than just a weak, barely getting in Christian. He'll put some metal in your soul. He'll, he'll purify every motive. He'll strengthen you and take you to a greater place of sensitivity and vibrancy in the faith. But in order to get there, He's going to have to bring you through some things. Sometimes those things are silence. Sometimes those things seem lonely. Sometimes those things seem long. But God says, don't you ever doubt for a moment that I've left you or forsaken you or I've abandoned you. My silence doesn't mean my absence. I am with you and I am for you. My Lord, have mercy. Somebody say Amen.
Talking about a God that brings His people through, but it's not for punishment. It's for development. It's not because He doesn't like us. It's because He loves us and wants to use us for His glory. My God, somebody say amen. Oh, Job had the best attitude of all. I like Job. If anyone knew anything about fiery trials, he had a Ph.D. on that baby. And he say, amen. Job went through it, didn't he? What did Job say? 23 and verse 10. But he knows the way I take. And when I come out of this mess, I'm coming forth as purest gold. That was the attitude. Job 23 and verse 10. But he knows the way I take. I love that. He knows the way I take because he's ordering the way I take. I'm not a rebel. You're not a rebel. You love God. You're seeking God. He orders my steps. God knows the way that I take. If He's bringing me through a storm, He wants me to grow through the storm. If He's taking me through a trial, He wants me to get deeper because of this trial. He knows the way that I take. And when He, remember, He has tested me. He's in control of this thing. His eye is on the clock. His hand is on the thermostat. Your God knows how much heat you can take. He knows how long you can bear it. He knows what you're made of. So when you're going Going through the trial, rest assured, God led you there and God will keep you there. He'll give you the grace to stand there. He'll give you the grace to walk through it and keep a song in your heart. My God, somebody, you can go through it and not get bitter. You can get through it and not backslide every other month. You can go through it and not lose the joy of the Lord. Why? Because you know that He brought me here. He's with me here. He's going to work in my life. And when it's done and it will get done. What did Job say? I will come forth. I will come forth. There's no doubt about it. You're going to make it. You're going through to the other side and when God gets done working in you, pure as gold. You're going through it and you're coming out better. You're coming out bigger. You're coming out like the one God's called you to be. Can you say amen? Don't mind me. I warmed up on them this morning just for you. This is part of the process. We've learned, we, we, we've neglected this. We, we think, you know, you quote a few scriptures, a little shundai, and all of a sudden the second coming of Elijah. No, God's servant's got to go through some stuff. You've got to go through some stuff to get some muscle. Amen? Oh, no, you don't, you don't develop. There's no development without resistance. Isn't that true? I mean, what's the difference? I mean... Science wasn't my major, but I know the difference between a lump of coal and a diamond is a whole lot of years and a whole lot of pressure. Yeah. Isn't that right? You want to be a diamond? Got to endure a little bit of pressure. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Ha, ha. Woo. But he knows the way I take. I love that. I mean, everyone else, they, 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 they telling you, they got Job's counselors out there. Everybody else knows what you're going through. What do they know? Amen. But God knows. God knows because God's leading me. I'm being led of the Lord. If you're walking with God, you're led of the Lord. Isn't that right? I mean, if you're a rebel, that's a whole different story. Get things right so God can bless you. But if you're walking with God, hey, God brought me here. And if He brought me here, you know what? He's working on me here. He's going to make me better here. He's going to use this thing. Wow. And when I come forth, and I'm coming forth, this thing won't kill me. It's going to make me stronger because God's on my side. Woo! Woo! When I come from, like gold, 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 gold. You don't get gold without some fire. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Isn't God good? Zarephath. Advanced school of faith. Advanced school of faith. Hallelujah. Let me give you one more story. 
that will kind of illustrate what the prophet is going through and what God takes you and I through. King George of England, true story. He was visiting a pottery factory where the royal china for Buckingham Palace was being made. And he noticed at one of the workstations, a young woman was painting the inside of the cups all black, all black. And he realized he didn't order anything like that. He was ordering stuff that should have been like gold inside. He's a king. Buckingham Palace, those drinking gold inside. Well, he got confused, so he asked the person with him and sent him back to that same place. And he asked where the cups were for Buckingham Palace. And the lady said, they're right here, sir. And she explained, underneath the black is gold. And when the cup comes through the fire, the black's going to burn off, but the gold's going to burn in. And that's exactly what God is doing in the life of Elijah in our lives. He's burning off all the extremities that aren't necessary. Attitudes, prides, impure motives, selfish ambitions. All the things that would hinder God and that would weaken the vessel of God down the road. He burns those off while he's burning in the gold of his faith. A pure motivation. A sincere devotion. A steadier faith in God. Oh, bless His name. Bless His name. Let's look at this together. Because there's so much in this little group of verses, it will take us a couple of weeks. But now let's learn as time allows. Let's learn from this ancient story some right now lessons of faith. Number one, let's notice the requirements of faith often seem illogical. This is verse 8 and 9. The requirements of faith often seem illogical. But God's trying to take us to a deeper place of obedience, a deeper place of trusting Him, a deeper place of sincere motivation for Him. The way that God leads us does not always make sense in the natural, but it does teach us obey obedience. It melts away the know-it-alls. It melts away the I need to control things or I won't trust God in this area. Requirements of faith often seem illogical. For example, the path, the path on which God sent him was illogical. Sidon was a hundred miles away. It was in the open country. It was in a populated region. It was tough terrain on top of the king's after him. The king wants his head. The army is aggressively looking for him. Yet God tells him to leave the hidden place of security in the wilderness and go this way to that place. God, that doesn't make sense. Cherub made sense. You're hiding me. It's safe. The king wants me dead. I, I, he wants my head. It doesn't make sense to go this route, you know. But God says, find yourself security in me. Often we had our obedience hindered because we found our security in the place where we've been, the place where we're comfortable, the old experience that we've had. But God says, let none of those things be your security. Let your security be in me. But sometimes the best place to be, in fact, always the safest place to be, is in the center of God's will, regardless of what the natural circumstances. So God says, listen, number one, the path on which He calls the prophet to take it's illogical, but also the place that God's sending him is illogical. This wasn't Israel, this is Phoenicia. In fact, you know, this place, Sidon, where God's sending him, that's Jezebel's hometown. She's the one that wants to kill him the most. This is where Baal worship started. This is the center, it's headquarters for Baal worship. Her king, her daddy's the king. 
And God says, go hide there. Hmm. Lord, this don't make sense. Our lesson, God's ways might be unusual, but you can trust His ways. The safest place to be is in the center of God's will. It might not always make sense in the natural. It might not be convenient, popular, or comfortable. I mean, God, You're sending me where? God, You want me to do what? But God says to us, trust me, my child. Don't let worldly schemes and worldly logic mess you up. It will mess you up. Never doubt my ability, my child, to shelter you not just from the storm, but shelter you in the storm. Because I don't know about you, but as I've walked with God, I've found many a times the will of God didn't go around the storm. The will of God went smack dab right through the storm. And I'm like the rest of you all. That storm comes. I'm praying, Lord, move it. Lord, peace be still. And every now and again, He does that. I dance the dance and shout the jig and testify of His goodness. But a lot of times God says, no, this storm is going to howl. This wind is going to blow. This rain is going to fall. But you just trust Me. You just stay sweet. You just walk in love. And you go through it. There's a purpose in the storm, not just around the storm. I mean, some of these men that work the grounds here on the campgrounds, you know these storms. Get rid of a lot of these dead branches, don't they? Woo! You know, when a storm comes, it does bring a bit of cleansing, doesn't it? A lot of things were unnecessary. A lot of things that were just taking up space. A lot of things that might have invaded and allowed debris to come in or disease to come into that tree. A good windstorm blows down dead branches and all. What's that? Moss? Whatever that stuff that falls. My Lord, my Lord. I like to market that. But anyway, and, uh, I mean, all that kind of, a storm has a cleansing property to it where it purifies and takes away that which is dead and that which needs to be removed. You walk through some storms the right way and God will remove from your life some dead branches and some things that are not necessary. In fact, some things that are flat or harmful if they keep wrapping around you and influencing you. I'm like the rest of you. All that storm comes, I'm saying, Lord, move this storm. I'll speak to the mountain. I'll shout at the mountain. I'll yell at the mountain. And sometimes it works. And I say, glory to God and do a Pentecostal jig. Amen. Glory, glory, glory. But many a times, you're going through it, son. You can hear the voice say, stop that nonsense. Just trust me. Just believe me. I didn't bring you this far to bail on you now. And as we go through it, and God says, if you're going to grow through this, you've got to go through it right. Not just going through a storm, going through it right. Amen? We get no points just for going through it. Anyone can go through it. The world's going through things. Amen? But it's going through it the way God is pleased. If you go through that the right way, that storm will make you stronger, but your roots are going to go down deeper. That strong storm will make you free, but some dead branches are going to get blown out of your life, some debris. You might come through that storm and find out some people aren't with you no more. And that's just how God intended it. You might go through that storm and on the side find out some fair-weathered stuff is not there anymore. And that's long-term a blessing, even though you might not see it at first. Oh, my Lord, oh, Lord. The ways of faith often seem illogical to the natural. We're talking next level. Next level. You see, the, the, the path didn't make sense. Why leave the security and the safety of this wonderful brook? Getting used to these birds. I'm starting to name them now. There's George. There's Henry. No, I'm starting to love this, this, these quarter pounders. I'm enjoying this. I got my whole day scheduled. But now I've got to get up. And you're sending me where? Deeper walk. 
But, but Lord, I, I think I should go opposite there. God says, no, I'm leading you there. Do you want to be in my there or you don't want to be in my there? Do you want to choose to there? You can choose to there, but there's no promise and provision in your there. But you get in God's there. And it'll come every time. God will not fail. The place where you're sending. And now the person, oh my, the ways of God. He works in us as He works through us. He works in us as He works through us. Let's look at this a little closer. The person He sent, He has sent to illogical. No sense. In fact, this is humbling. This is humbling. Not only is this crucible demanding obedience, obedience that seems, but it is producing humility. What am I talking about? Well, the widow. Sent me to a widow. Not a noble, rich widow. And I'm not someone the old man left her a few. No, 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 no. Not, not, wouldn't be, that would be too easy. But he's sent me to a widow getting ready to die. She's poor. She's, we ought to be helping her. I'm the prophet. I ought to be helping her. That's what we got benevolence for. Amen. We help the poor widows. And you know, Elijah, you guys know the story. He was a rough, independent, a man's got to do what a man's got to do. Prophet. I mean, he confronted kings. He challenged false prophets. Called down fire from heaven. And now Elijah must allow a widow to care for him. The smelting has begun. That's humbling. The widow is starving, getting ready to fix her last meal. The brook dries up, and God sends him to an unlikely provider. Oh, the ways of God. Not only was it a widow that was poor and destitute, it was a widow that came from a Gentile nation. God called her to care for the most famous prophet of the time. Can you imagine this? She, she wasn't an Israelite. She was a foreigner. They're the ones that are supposed to be defeating and destroying. They're the false gods. What are you sending me there? You know, it's interesting. Jesus used this illustration in the Gospels, Luke chapter 4. Almost got him killed. They tried to kill him when he used this. But he used it in the reference of God will fly over those that don't want to get serious with God. But God will use those that are willing to be used of God. Wow. You know, God will go to those who will respond to Him. That ought to get somebody happy. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your education is. If you'll get serious with God, God will use you. God will bless you. God will take your life and make it a miracle. I think that's wonderful. God's not asking what your pedigree is. He don't care what your pedigree is. He don't care if your daddy was a preacher or not. He just cares are you washed in the blood? Are you born again? Are you going to serve me if you're willing to give me your best? And God says, I'll use you. I'll bypass those that have doctors if I can get someone obedient. I'll bypass those that can tell all these stories if I can get someone that's obedient. This is a beautiful thought here. God will go to those that respond to Him. His people wouldn't, but God found someone that would. A foreigner, a foreigner, a hurting lady, a foreigner. If a person doesn't want God. If a person doesn't want to be used of God, then God will find someone that does. Go ahead and tell God you'll be that person. Go ahead and tell God, go Lord, don't pass over me, but I'm willing and I'm hungry and I'm ready, Lord. I want to be part of what You're doing in the earth. I don't want to just play games. I don't want to just go to church. I want to be part of what You're doing. Jesus, I want to be a vessel You can use in these last days. Jesus, I'll respond to Your call. I'll put You first. I'll pay the price. Lord, if You're going to use anyone, Lord, use me. 
If you're going to fly over others, don't fly over me. I'm willing to go where you want me to go and do what you want me to do. I want someone to know, you want God to use you, He'll use you. You want to play games, you might get into heaven. Might get into heaven. But God won't be pleased with that. He wants people to seek Him with all their heart. Seek first that kingdom. Put the Lord God first in your life. Give God your best. And God says, I'll use you. Be willing to pay the price. And God says, I'll flow through you. Be willing to say, God, whatever it takes, I want to be a vessel fit for the Master's use. And He'll honor your Word. And He'll begin a process right where you are to make you into the vessel He's designed and destined you to be. He'll use you. He'll bless you. He'll make your life a blessing. He'll blow your mind. It's an awesome thing just to say yes to Jesus. It's an awesome thing just to say, Lord, I want to be used of You and I'm willing to go wherever, do whatever, make me into Your vessel and use me for Your glory. If You'll say that, He'll use you. He'll anoint you. He'll make your life a miracle. Can you say amen? Oh, no, we got too many playing church. They just show up when it's convenient. But God is looking in these last days. In these last days, who wants to be used of God? Who wants to go forward in the things of God? Who's willing for some advanced school purification and preparation? Some advanced school freshings and fillings and anointings that you might go forth and be an instrument in the hand of God. The Word ran against everything in Elijah. It ran against every instinct he had. It was illogical, but it was God. This was God taking him to a deeper place of maturity and purity and sincerity and obedience. And God takes us through things we're not crazy about. To die off so we can die. So we can be humbled that we can be built. John the Baptist had said it so perfectly. I must decrease that He might increase. And if we're going to become a vessel that He can use, a lot of me, a lot of Joe got to go. And He brings me through things to expose that old Joe that I don't even want to recognize. So if we can expose it, we can skim it. He'll take me through things that cause me to exercise areas that I don't want to exercise. You ever go to the gym? Ever used to go to the gym? Whatever. There's certain things you liked. I want to do them. Trainer says, no, you need to do these. I don't like to do these. I'm not good at They hurt when I do them. That's why you need to do them. Isn't that right? We try to tell God, Lord, I'm real good at this. Lord, I'm real good. I try to tell the teacher. How about just all history tests? All history tests. Please, all history tests. No, science, English. Oh, my Lord. Some people's greatest fear is to speak in front of people. It's not mine. But I'll tell you what one of mine is. Have to be in a spelling bee. Oh Lord, have mercy. I still forget if it's I before E except after C or what is it? I don't know. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? And when God's trying to train you, God says, No, son, you know what? I said, Lord, work on my boldness. I like this. No, you don't need that, son. You need a little patience. Oh Lord. No, we're gonna work on patience. That's a tough one. You can't get that one in the microwave. Amen. You got oh man, patience. And then while I'm trying to grow in that patience, all of a sudden I see some other junk in there. Ooh, oh Lord. Are you sure we're looking at me? God says, yeah, we're looking at you. God's trying to... God's ways. He gets the glory, but we get the development. And if I'm going to become that vessel that He can use, 
That means he's got to work and develop some areas. Some things will be exposed so they can be removed. Others, he'll have to say, you know what? You need to start using that so you can develop that. There are certain things we're all good at. And God says, that's good. Stay sharp there. Keep that strong. But if you're going to be a complete player, if you're going to be well-rounded, just remember, God sees the future. And he, he, he prepares us for what He's preparing for us. And He knows if you don't get some patience and some real love, even when it's not easy, you can't stand there. But it's there. There. You're there. You've got another there coming in about 15 years. And you will not be able to stand there if you do not allow this process to perfect you and to prepare you. Hallelujah. Advanced school. The prophet's going through it. We go through it when we want to go forward in God. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. This word ran against the national instinct. It's a Gentile nation. Religious instinct. This is where Baal's being worshipped. He's raised up to fight Baal worship. His manly instinct. He's going to be kept by a widow that's dying herself. That don't make sense. That's embarrassing. God's ways are different than ours. He gets the glory. We get the development. But faith obeys even when it seems uncomfortable and illogical. Stick with me. Let me prove this a little more because I can't go farther than this point, but I can, I can get some subpoints here. You know, this, this point of the requirements of faith often seeming illogical, you see, it happens throughout the Scripture. Throughout the Scripture. It really does. You remember one night, one night Peter, he's fishing all night. Fishing all night. You ever worked the night shift? About 7 o'clock in the morning, you just want to take a shower and go to bed. Amen? I don't want some, some young whippersnapper foreman coming in on the first shift with some bright idea and tell me, try this. I mean, I'm tired. Leave me alone. I want to go home. Anybody with me? Alright. And so, here's Peter. He fished all night and caught nothing. He caught nothing. He's trying to clean up the net to go home and catch some Z's. Alright? He's shot all night long. And Jesus shows up. And, hey, hey Peter, go out and cast that net out in the deep area one more time. Illogical. That's the wrong time to fish and the wrong way to fish. It's the wrong tactic. It's the wrong time. Lord, but Lord, Lord, because you... Lord, because you say so. Hey, 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 you know the story. Biggest load he ever got. Illogical. Didn't make sense. It was uncomfortable. I didn't want to do it. But we obey the Lord. And you see what happens when you obey the Lord? How about... Remember Joshua, that great general? Hey, he gets some strategy. Here's some strategy. March around the wall. I, I, could, I, mean, I could hear Joshua thinking this because I hear people say this. What good will that do, Lord? Come on, preacher. You really think forgiving them is going to help? Come on, Lord. You, you, you really think about I do things right in this area? Of my, you really? Come on. I hear it all the time. What good will that do? I need a battering ram. I need a bazooka. What's this walking? All, all this spiritual. I live in a real world. Can't you hear Joshua? I mean, I hear Christians. We live in a real world. We need some real. God can work in a real world. You do it His way. It was elite. Oh no, it, it, it was it was illogical. But you know what? It brought the walls down. You'll be amazed. The walls that'll come tumbling down. You choose to obey God and do things God's way. It might not make sense to you. It might not be convenient to you. It might seem, I don't get it. I don't get it. You don't got to get it. You just got to obey it and watch God work His wonders. Come on, say amen. Increase. Breakthrough comes as I obey God. Get in. 
I mean, he's already outnumbered. I mean, he's vastly outnumbered. And God says, you know what? You actually got too many. Send a bunch of them back. You ever pray for increase and God decides to prune you? My Lord. Lord, we need increase. Got three more bills in the mail. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. Hey, 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 Lord, I gave that offering, man. I mean, I thought you were going to work this out. I got three more bills. My tire just got a nail in it. Oh, Lord, have mercy. But you know what we found out? You find this out. Little is much when God's in it. Amen. Gideon, those 300, they did quite a job, didn't they? Amen. You want to glorify God in your life? Just go ahead and obey Him. Go ahead and obey Him. Even when it don't make sense. Even when it seems like, Lord, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But if you said it, I'm going to obey it. And I know you're going to bless it. Amen. Let me give you one more. How about they're at the wedding feast of Cana. Isn't that wonderful? The food is there. I mean, the lamb. Is, mm, like on that spittle. They got that lamb going. And they got it's all good. And then they ran out of wine. Lord, what are we going to do? See those big pots over there? Fill them with water. <laughs> Where we get this guy? They're thinking. Lord, I know they've been drinking a little bit, but I think they're going to tell the difference. It's not, it's not, it's not wine. I think they're going to tell. I didn't t- Just fill it with water. Mary was there. One thing the mother of the Lord had, had learned through these years of raising him, whatever he says, just do it. She looked at them, whatever he says unto you, just do it. If he says fill it with jello, go ahead and fill it with jello. Because when you obey him, he works for you. And you know the story. It was not just wine, it was the best wine. You want the richest blessing in your life, you start putting God first, you put Jesus where he belongs, you position your life aright, and you watch the blessing flow in the goodness and the mercy of God. You can get more than a trickle, you can get a rushing mighty river. This God is a good God. All he requires of us is to obey him, not only when we like it, not only when we can understand it, but when we know it's thus, saith the Lord, do it. At times it's humbling, at times it's stretching, at times it's like, Lord, I don't want to forget give them. I don't want to call them. And he looks down and says, you want to do it your way? You can do it your way. But if you want my blessing, do what I tell you to do. Do it as I told you to do it. And then just watch the goodness of the Lord bathe and splash over your life. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Glory to God. How many times in life? I won't call that person. That knucklehead. Let 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 them reap a little bit, Lord. Sure we do. That third time, all right, Lord, I got the message. I'll call him. I'd rather not call him. I'm tired of calling him. You know, sometimes that natural man, you know what I mean? But God, all right, Lord, how did you know to call him? I said, don't thank me. It was the Lord. He hounded me about three days. I was about to let your goose cook. I'm so glad you called. Oh, yeah, yeah. I see why God's blessing do it God's way. But sometimes God's way will not always make sense to the mind, to the emotion, to the people around you. Basic training. We start with the basic word. As we go to advanced training, the leadings of the Spirit, the promptings of the Spirit, the sensing of the peace or lack of the Spirit. Hallelujah. The requirements of faith often seem illogical. But if you do things God's way, you will partake of God's blessing. Now, next time, next time, oh man. You know, the, the longer 
we live, the more we should learn. All right? The longer we live, the more we should learn. Life is a schoolhouse. If we have a teachable spirit, we will learn constantly. You, you can learn, all right? And them kids, they're always teaching you something. Amen? If not developing patience, they're always teaching you something. Isn't that right? I mean, and you're on the job. I mean, you, life, if we're, now, so next week we want to go deeper and we want to look at this little, this widow. Whoa, some lessons we can learn from a Gentile widow. How she obeyed God. Her one obedience to God that didn't make sense, but she gave God what God asked for. One act of obedience. She got a perpetual miracle for two years. The oil never went out. The barrel never emptied. But she obeyed God. And we're going to learn how to connect with God through this widow. She teaches us how to... You know, you can be, you can be saved, but really not have a good connection with God. That's why things are always stuttering. You know when, that, when, that, when the fuel line is not what it should be? It stutters. Spits. You know what I mean? It's not flowing. A lot of people's walk with God is like that. They love God, but because that, that yieldedness isn't there. That wholehearted obedience isn't there. Things are kind of out of alignment. So instead of flowing freely, there's a bit of a friction. There's a stuttering in the blessing and in the walking. You know what I'm getting at? But we're going to see from this little woman how you and I connect with God. How her obedience of faith. Again, it didn't make sense. Take your last and just give it to God. But the command of God is never going to be separated from the promise of God. He says, if you obey it, thus saith the Lord. Whew. That barrel ain't never going to empty. That oil never going to stop flowing until this mess is over. It's going to go on for two full years. God's going to take care of a foreigner who knew enough to obey the word and just give God what he wanted. We're going to learn to connect with God. One of the most important things you can learn is how to connect with God. You learn how to connect with God. You don't have to fear depressions, oppressions. You don't have to fear who's in the White House or the outhouse. We know how to connect with God. He knows how to prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Amen? He can bless us. They can be dropping like flies all around us. God knows how to keep His kids. Amen? God knows how to bless us. He'll send them quarter pounders to your house, brother. Amen? He knows. He knows. He knows how to do that. Amen? He knows how to make that pasta go. Amen? Isn't that right? I'll close with this story. This has just come to me. And we got time. There was an old lady, old Italian lady. And she would testify that her husband, he, he was a good old guy, saved Italian guy. And they didn't have much. But one thing, one thing, he loved people. Papa was a real people person. The only problem being a people person, he'd always wind up inviting people over the house and forgetting to tell Mama they're coming. So she'd have dinner ready for four. He'd bring four more of his buddies home from work. Amen? And how many times she'd say, she's in the back there saying, Oh, Lord! <laughs> I only got pasta for four. And she'd testify, God, make the pasta. God do that for you. God do that for me. It's amazing when you walk with God. God can make it go the distance. Isn't that right? God can give you overtime when they said it's impossible to get overtime. God can cancel something when they said, no, I mean, when we connect with God. And we're going to learn that. We're going to study that. We're going to try to study that next time. So let me pray the prayer and we're going to close. But God is calling each one of us to go all out for God. So He can use us. So we can grow in grace, and we can grow in our Christ-likeness. But the thing is, if I want to grow in God, 
I cannot avoid the process that God has ordained in which I can grow. I just don't grow by saying a prayer. I grow by yielding to God and allowing God to bring me through. And as I go through things, remember, they're going to burn out the dark and put in the gold, right? They're going to burn out. They're going to take away some of the impatience and some of the insincerities. But they're going to put in strength. They're going to put in patience. They're going to put in. So let's give ourselves afresh to the Lord. And let's offer ourselves to God. Then get ready. Not only will He use you, but He'll start to develop you. Because He knows what He has in store for you. Amen. And when we come to the part of prayer for needs, just reach out to the Lord. You come with a need. Part of that's in our prayer. You need a physical touch. If you just want a fresh filling of the Spirit of God, just reach out to the Lord. He'll fill you fresh. He'll touch your body right where you're at. Whatever you have need of. I'm going to believe God's going to touch you. I'm really God, if you'll look up to the Lord, if you'll call on the Lord as we pray, I'm going to believe God's going to fill and God's going to heal and God's going to touch. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. We thank You for the great privilege we have in serving You. We thank You that in this present hour You're looking for men and women that would be like Elijah and faithfully serve You and their generation. Vessels that will be wholehearted in their service. Now, Father, we want to be part of what You're doing in these last days. We want to go beyond being fence-sitters or just spectators. But, Father God, we want to be used. Use us as Your vessels. Use us as Your ambassadors. Use us as vessels You can speak through and flow through and touch our world through. Father, help us to respond properly to Your preparations and developments. Father, help us when You bring us through these things, help us, Lord, to respond properly that we might get the full impact from them. That we might get the full benefit of going through that thing. Father, help us to respond obediently to the open doors of opportunity You're going to give us in this coming year. Lord, it's Your will to use Your people. It's Your will to anoint and use powerfully Your sons and Your daughters. Help us, Lord, to respond to the open doors. Help us, Lord, to be quick to respond to the proddings of the Holy Spirit, to step out, to obey, to speak, to give, to do. Father, in the name of Jesus, anoint and use these dear ones in a very special way. Those that are ready, those that are willing, those that are available, Father, right now, grant them a fresh anointing Father, I pray that the gifts of the Spirit would begin to stir up in the hearts and lives of people that are here today. Father, as they yield themselves to You, I pray that You'd begin to use them in ways You've never used them before. I pray the gifts of the Spirit would begin to blossom and bloom and flow. I pray a greater boldness would come within them a greater anointing on their ears to hear the voice of God, that they might be led of God in the middle of the mall, in the middle of the job. They'll hear You, that they might be used of You. Father, right now, I pray a fresh anointing upon every yielded vessel. I pray may every living sacrifice that's here today receive a fresh touch of God, a fresh anointing, a fresh vibrancy. Father, 
Touch those that are here and have a need. I pray a physical touch on those that are hurting. Father, in Jesus' name, heal those that are hurting. Father God, let there be a calm come upon the hearts and minds of those that are restless and feeling a bit heavy. Father, let the peace of God and the calming spirit of the Holy Ghost come upon them. Father God, begin to restore. I pray for that injury. Father, let it begin to mend. Let it get stronger and stronger each and every day. Let the mending accelerate for the glory of God. Father, I pray for those that are here today and they might feel spiritually thirsty. Maybe weary. Maybe emotionally down. But Father, they want some refreshing. They want more filling of the Holy Ghost. Father, I pray for those that are thirsty, that look to You with expectation. Oh God, fill them. Oh God, strengthen them. Oh God, let the joy of the Lord be their strength and a fresh spirit of rejoicing come upon their hearts. Oh God, fill them, fill them, fill them. Father, we pray, let this be a week of divine appointments. Let this be a week of answered prayers. Let this be a week where the garment of praise falls upon your people. And there is a great release of victorious praise that will flow from their lips. In the name of the Lord Jesus, Strengthen every heart, anoint every life. Let the healing virtue of Christ flow. Use us, Lord. We desire to be your vessels. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Go forward with an expectation. God's going to use me even as God prepares me. Go and be a blessing to your world. Amen.